All right, and we are live. Welcome to Jetstream Live today. Uh, super excited to have with us today Alan Gleason. Uh, he's a CMO, uh, and we're going to be talking about marketing fundamentals for B2B SaaS. Uh, thanks so much for being here, Alan. It's great to have you. Hey, Mike. Delighted to be talking to you this morning. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Awesome. Well, uh, uh, if we could just jump into a little bit about yourself and some of your, your background, you know, how did you get into this work? Uh, and tell us a little bit about your company as well. Yeah, so I'm based in London in the UK. I've been working in B2B SaaS for, gosh, probably 15 years since it became quick enough to work in, um, you know, SaaS, you know, it didn't exist in the old days. You had software in disks that you loaded onto your hard drive. So once the <laughs> net got fast enough, I transitioned out of the kind of former CPU world into SaaS and I've been doing it ever since. I work with a mix of companies. They're um, predominantly B2B SaaS. They're usually VC-backed. Um, a lot of the European ones are sort of at the Series A level and they're looking to grow. Sometimes I work with ones from North America that are looking for kind of first boots on the ground into Europe. So a bit of a mix of what I do. Um, I guess one way of labeling me, Mike, is a sort of a, an interim or fractional CMO. So I usually mm -hmm. go in at sort of strategic chief marketing officer level and then work with the, with the team to try and um, to grow the businesses. Awesome. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot more about fractional CMOs. I don't know if it's just something that's becoming more popular or just kind of came into my circle, but it does make a lot of sense for startups who need that strategic piece, someone who's you know maybe got a little bit more experience uh, to bring that to the team uh, without maybe the added cost or the full cost of you know a, a full CMO. So I'm definitely hearing more of that. It's an interesting field. Yeah, I, th I think you've hit the nail on the head, right? I mean, to fill out a C-suite is expensive, right? That's the yeah. challenge, right? And there's not as, you know, it's a, still a relatively new industry. I just talked a minute ago about how it's not going that long, right? And there hasn't been that many people that have been on the journey um, for a length of time. And similarly, the amount of SaaS startups are growing exponentially because, of course, the barriers to entry are a lot lower and everyone sees how attractive a business model is. So there's a real squeeze on kind of access to talent and then the other point is that it, it is quite challenging. It is not straightforward, right? It's, it's just, it's so nuanced. It's, um, you know, and, and obviously people like myself are looking for patterns from working with different clients to sort of expedite decision-making to, to try and help clients kind of get an edge, right? Yeah, and I would assume there's, there's some crossover there if you're working with like a handful of clients. You're like, oh, I've experienced something like this with this other company I was working with. And you can bring that to to another company. So there's lots of advantages, you know, for someone who who does hire a fractional uh, CMO. And, and so, you know, I'm I'm glad to see more people doing that because, you know, what I've heard in the past is like, oh, well, we'll hire this, you know, junior person that's keen, you know, that that's you know just getting started with marketing. And those people can be amazing too, but they don't necessarily have that strategic hat or that like direction. You know, thinking of like we want to go from here to here, and they know how to do it. So. I'm I'm glad to hear that you know more companies seem to be doing that and uh, that 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 is a trend. Yeah, I mean, I think on that, I mean, there's a couple of things. Like, take content as an example. You know, you could bring in someone pretty junior, and they think, okay, I'm looking at these sites and they're writing blogs. We can do blogs, but actually, an experienced sort of marketing lead will understand. Okay, we got to index it in Search Console. We got to run Ahrefs or SEMrush to track keywords. We got to make sure we're amplifying the content on production. We got to make sure the technical SEO aspects are, are correct. We, might, we need to think about, you know, are we targeting practitioners with the content? Is it sort of entry level, beginner level? Are we going after C-suite, which needs to be more strategic? So 
a tiny example of, you know, with all goodwill, you could bring in someone junior and, and sort of um, spare the expense. But, you know, I've had a client I've gone into recently where they basically have to discount two years of content. I've looked in analytics and looked in search console and they never had an SEO element to it. Wow. You know, and then I looked at the data and I'm like, guys, there's nobody reading your blogs. You know, the <laughs> navigation doesn't make it easy to get to the blogs. They're not SEO optimized. Right. And you haven't been amplifying the content. You've been doing two years of this and it's sort of, it's painful, but it's an example of some of the things that can, you can get stuck on if you don't have the, someone, and it doesn't have to be full-time, that's the key, but it's got to be someone that's sort of, you know, seen things before that can kind of quickly then influence decisions. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so I'd love to jump into the, the topic today, which I think is a, is a great one. So we want to talk about marketing fundamentals for, for B2B SaaS. So Maybe I'll just leave it up to you to explain, you know, why should we be talking about, you know, marketing fundamentals uh, in 2021? Uh, you know, why do you feel like that's an important topic to, to share? Yeah, I mean, look, there's always external pressures from VCs, from boards, from, you know, from CEOs, right? Of course, we all want to grow. We all want to, all want to go to the top right. You know, that's the, you know, we see these sort of... Um, analogs from other companies that have done it and they've got playbooks and we want to kind of copy them. And, and I guess the kind of point is, is that we can get seduced with, you, you know, um, the latest trendiest things, but actually when you boil, boil it down, you know, just staying in the game, not running out of cash, being a little bit patient and just doing the fundamentals. And I guess that's the kind of lesson that I want to come out with is saying, you know, don't be seduced by chasing, stuff that you know I have, I have an example right there was once whereby you know a vc was pushing pressure on a ceo oh this kind of had work webinars have been very effective here and let's let's kind of impose it on this client and actually you know sometimes it's a case of recognizing the resource that you have at your disposal recognizing that there's no quick wins with this stuff and just kind of inculcating a culture mike of best practice continuous improvement willingness to take risk appetite to kind of bias for action, get stuff done and just do a good job on the fundamentals. And, you know, that should be enough. And um, now there's an asterisk, of course, that should be enough to get you to the, to the growth journey. The asterisk, of course, is that there's this dance that goes on between product sales and marketing. And, you know, you know, you, you, you need a strong product, right? And, and the product has to be compelling. It has to deliver lots of value because otherwise you don't really have the, the kind of, the I guess the strong foundation to get the the benefits from marketing that you will get um w without that kind of core foundation and of course this is where it gets tricky right because CEOs don't want to say hey the product ain't great you know no one wants to no one wants to have that kind of perspective so that's a little bit of an area that I that I'm, I'm challenged a bit on occasions with um but it goes back to doing the fundamentals well is really the key message for today. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad, glad that you brought up product because sometimes as a marketer, you know, I, I like a challenge. So if the product is not great, sometimes I'm like, yeah, but I think I can still make it work. And, and it's certainly a lot easier if that product is great. Uh, and what we find with a lot of the startups that uh, that we work with is they've they have created a great product, but they haven't taken it to market soon enough or they haven't right. you know tried to sell it soon enough or even had enough people testing it and, and working with their MVP. I, and so what I find is like, when we're stressed, we go back to what we know. So if, you know, if it was me and I had a startup and a product, I'd go to the marketing and I'd start marketing it. 
when maybe I need to go back to the product. But you know, some of these engineers and developers, when they get stressed, they don't know to go to the marketing. They go to the let's go back and and code and build uh, further. Uh, so you know, going back to marketing fundamentals, and you know, maybe we can talk about like the four P's here, right? Like you have to have that solid product, and and then think about like where's the placement for this? What's the positioning? Uh, and some of the basic fundamentals of creating a, a company that has all of the pieces that make the marketing easier or make it great. Uh, and so maybe you can just talk a little bit about some of those fundamentals of like, you know, what are the things that that make a product great or make it stand out or make it differentiated from its competitors uh, when you're you know, marketing in, in B2B SaaS? Yeah, look, there's a lot wrapped up in here, right? But I'm going to point you to, to a great post by a guy called Tom Tungus, right? Tom is a, a US VC, and he talks about the, the, the biggest mistake with hiring into a marketing function for B2B SaaS. And it actually is very much aligned with what you've just been talking about. So he, he basically argues that the, the pattern that he sees, Mike, is that people hire marketing people for growth too early. Right. So the, mm, the job spec that the job spec that goes out is, you know, legion, legion, legion. Right. And what he's essentially arguing is that's the wrong hire in your early days. You need a product marketing lead. Right. right? Um, because what he's arguing is that you can't skip that piece whereby you're talking to customers, you're understanding their requirements, you're listening to the language you're using, you're feeding back that. And, and I think that is really the key point. Right. Which kind of brings in your question. Right. Because. You know, without you know, there's always this temptation. You're in your early days. You're watching cash. You're running out of cash, and sort of you you want to spike growth. So it's like let's chase leads. But that bit that gets skipped means that your messaging can be off, right? Yeah. It means right. that you don't really understand the category that you're in. You're not really clear on the value proposition, or that you might have a, a leaky bucket. You bring people in, and they're dropping off left, right, and center. So I think, and this almost plays back into the start of the conversation. You may not want to be writing a check for a full-time product marketing person as your first hire. Hmm. So this is where I might differ with Tom slightly. I'd say, actually, okay, maybe not, but, but you should definitely bring in expertise or, or, or freelance support around the product marketing piece because otherwise what happens is your marketing person comes in, there's a thousand things for them to do because it's always a very tricky function to manage because you've got so much things to do between branding and hiring and acquisition and conversion and retention and you know you know then you just don't give it the attention that it needs and kind of building on that mike then you're kind of into this world of you know most categories now are increasingly crowded right it's it's very rare that you get into a category that's completely virgin territory so mm. things like you know you alluded to the four p's earlier think things around going back to a guy called michael porter who's who's famous for you know, for kind of competitive strategy work, yeah. th things like generic strategies. Um, and you're kind of com almost coming full circle to um, a compatriot of yours by the name of April Dunford, who's written a book, you know, very much on positioning and SaaS. That's, I think it's called Obviously Awesome, which really, again, plays into your question, which is all about positioning and kind of really understanding the product fit with the market. Yes, so much wrapped up in that. And I, and I read that book a couple of years ago. Uh, really to understand positioning. Uh, but there's so many pieces to this, uh, right? And the, the one P we didn't really talk about is is price. And I find that so, so complicated, right? Like, you know, you don't want to price it too cheap so that people are too low so that people perceive it as cheap. 
if you price it too high, it might be out of your market's uh, zone. So, you know, just as you're talking about this stuff, it just reminds me of how complex and challenging marketing can be. And it's, it is very dynamic, but it's also, you know, can be so challenging because there's a lot wrapped up in it. And, and I think, you know, the, the right hire is so hard to find because, you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned product marketing because something that's been, you know, over the years, it's been, uh, had, I've had my eyes open to is product mar- uh, product management, right? And understanding what that role is. And so I think about that a lot in marketing. Um, so, you know, just to kind of come back to the, to the topic of, of the fundamentals, right? Because this is so complicated and there's so much to dive into here. You know, what would, what would some of those fundamentals be that you would be focused in on? Like, what are the things that you look at when you start working with the B2B SaaS company? You're like, okay, well, let's not get distracted by this digital marketing thing or this thing over here that we're going after. Let's get back to the fundamentals. You know, can you kind of highlight what those fundamentals are for you? Yeah, I mean, first of all, there's often the phrase managing expectations comes into play, right? Because, you know, what I'm seeing is, and maybe there's a European, North American difference here, right? But but in Europe, there's a lot more resource constraint versus what I would consider more resource abundance in the US, right? So, you know, in Europe, you know, we might take a seed or Series A round of two million. It's probably ten million of a Series A in in the US right. or, or Canada, it seems to right? Keeps so, go up, going up and up. Right, right. So, so part of it is is just resetting expectations that you know, because often I'll go into clients and the, the team size will be less than five, right? It's so, mm. so there's like it's not like there's a huge team that can you know can can run all these things. But some of the fundamentals I think are going back to. I mean, I, I do like to think about the category a little bit. So, you know, is there a clear understanding? Is it a new category? Is it um, you know, is it is it an existing category? And if it's existing, how are you positioning off it? Um. I think, you know, I, I do look at resourcing and hiring. So I, again, kind of coming back to my playbook, I tend to have um, my go-to freelancers, for want of a better word, for, you know, diagnosis. So I try and get in pretty early. So, for example, in Boston, there's a guy, Patrick Campbell. He specializes on pricing. So, again, you know, if the problem is related to pricing, you can kind of prioritize. If, if you need to prioritize fixing pricing, you go to expertise in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the fundamentals are recognizing that, you know, ultimately there's a website um, that people come to and you can go into Google Analytics and you can probably find that there's five or 10 kind of core pages, right? right. So actually starting there, right? What, what are the four or five key pages that um, we want to optimize for? Our homepage will be one, but I'll usually then do some bespoke landing pages because I think, and this plays into your world a little bit, I think paid acquisition is important kind of, you know, it's important in the early days to try and experiment and understand, you know, the keywords that you should be focusing on. But as you try and scale up, it becomes important then in terms of, you know, winning keywords around commercial intent searches for your category, but also probably picking up some longer tail stuff. So, so the fundamentals for me are very much around, um, you know, making sure budget is reasonable, that there's decent resourcing because, you can't really implement a playbook if you've only got one or two people in the team. So it's very much aligning on that. And then kind of coming back to it, you know, a decent couple of landing pages whereby, you know, it's pretty clear what the value proposition is. Is it messaged well? You know, is there a kind of primary call to action that's sort of um, reasonable that you would expect that can convert off? Is there a secondary call to action, you know, perhaps a white paper? 
there are some of the things I will be looking at. And I'm afraid your listeners might be yawning if I kept going, so I'll pause there. <laughs> but but there's a lot there's a lot to think about, and I guess part of the lens you got to do is prioritize, right? It, part of it is trying to understand what are the few bits of fundamentals that you can focus on, depending on where the client is. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think anyone's yawning. I think this is the stuff that they, they tune in to talk about so and listen about. So uh, I really appreciate uh, uh, you highlighting those uh, those items. Um, it, it does make me think a little bit. So I teach a digital marketing course as well. We teach that online. Uh, and we kind of cover a lot of areas, right? We talk about search and social and, you know, we talk about email and, and, and like really like the kind of tactical, technical, like digital work. Right, because we right. want to unpack that and explain that and try to demystify that. But it's also, you know, we also have a ton of work around personas and storytelling right. and finding that USP and how you differentiate and competitive analysis and market research and all these things that I think, you know, as digital marketers, sometimes we forget about and we go to the, you know, okay, can I put this in SEMrush and can I look at their pixel and can I you know, take a look at their landing page and is it loading fast enough and all these like technical things. And I feel like, and I get the sense that tech is, is almost going to get out of its own way. I'm hoping that it will. And then we can truly be marketers. Then what's going to matter is the messaging, you know, the, the imagery, the angles, the strategies that you're choosing. And it goes back to, you know, kind of the, the Mad Men era, the Ogilvy times, where it was like, you know, the one with the best messaging wins. That's something that Ryan Dice said recently, who is, you know, the owner of Digital Marketer, right? And he said the one with the best messaging will win. And so I'm kind of curious your thoughts on that, because at times I feel like, yes, that technical piece is going to get out of the way. And, you know, Google and Facebook and whatever traffic source will talk less about, you know, the technical stuff. But then I hear things about like AR and VR and I'm like, oh, well, that's going to be really challenging. At the end of the day, though, still, the best messaging should win, will win, and it's, it'll be less about the targeting of the specific group and the technical aspects of that campaign. So just kind of your thoughts on that trend as well. It's, it's a brilliant point, right? Because I, I kind of, again, blends a number of areas, Mike, right? So again, with categories that are competitive, right? You know, it's easy to equalize on features, right? So it's easy to go into G2 or Captera and see what features yeah. your other competitors are getting ranked for and you can close the gap, right? So, um, so you know, what you start looking at then is things like pricing or brand or messaging to try and position yourself. And of course, increasingly what you're trying to do is just help the buyer navigate. So can they understand what your proposition is, but can they also understand how it differs from the other two or three mm -hmm. competitors that they're going to look at? Um, but you're right, because what's happened is that we've created a digital divide essentially, right, Mike? So uh, when I look back at, you know, and prior to being a consultant, I was a head of marketing and a chief marketing officer for, for a number of different um, companies. The bit that kind of got lost in all of this was the access to customers, right? And, and actually mm -hmm. talking to people. So, mm -hmm. so, so that bit gets lost because we're seduced by, we're busy, you know, oh, it's going to be, you know, t painful out setting up calls and meetings and but we've lost it, right? Which means we've lost the nuance of language. We've lost the nuance of listening into kind of their pain points, how they describe the pains, how they describe their challenges. So a couple of things on that is that, you know, any new hires I bring into any teams, I now insist that they spend a bit of time listening in on calls with, with salespeople. Mm. Um, I tend to set up channels on, on Slack whereby 
you know, um, people on sales calls need to drop in keywords that they hear when people talk about the pains and challenges. So at least I'm getting a, a window on the language that's being used. But then this kind of gets to the, the theme here on the fundamentals. I now have go-to people, copywriters and messaging that I bring in, um, you know, as freelancers to write the copy. So, so again, to your point, you know, you're not going to get a market here that's going to be, you know, really skilled across everything. If you have to do acquisition and retention and brand and Google ads, you know, people's skill sets can't be at, a, an, at an exceptional level on all of those. So I now really see the value of good copywriting and messaging, which gets to the heart of your question. And I have, um, you know, a number of copywriters that, that actually go talk to people. You know, wow, imagine that. They go talk to your customers. They, they go listen to their pains. They listen to the, the kind of value proposition, how they articulate the benefits. Um, and I kid you not, they're in demand. So much so, I wouldn't dare to give you the names of these messaging people because they're booked up constantly. And yeah, I'm on a queue now to try and get... Right. So the question is really brilliant and, and you're spot on. Messaging now becomes so, so important from how you message the call to actions, how, how you you know, render your features. What's the hierarchy? Is the benefit of the feature clear? You know, so yeah, you, you've hit a really great point. And it's, some, it's an area that, again, I think hasn't had the attention that it deserves. So I think you know, any of your listeners should really have a think about the messaging. Um, and again, the beauty of this is that they may only need to work on four or five pages because, again, this is the beauty of, you know, look at analytics and you'll find it that actually traffic is often concentrated on a small number of pages. So focusing on fixing those can really help, um, you know, make a big improvement. Yeah, that's a that's such a great point because, uh, you know, sometimes it can be overwhelming. Like, you know, you, some companies may have a massive, you know, 20 page, 30 page website, but there may be like five that are actually driving on the traffic. So go there and fix the copy on those pages. Um, but I, I, I have I, clients with with hundreds, if not thousands of pages, yeah. Mike, like, yeah. like, like, right, SaaS, blog entries right. And, and bespoke landing pages and all yeah. sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of laughed when you mentioned, uh, the customer, because I just think it's so simple and it's so easy to do and hardly anybody does it. And so we've started doing, yeah, you know, when we switched our focus to focusing on ads, we started doing voice of customer surveys and the, the amount of great copy that comes out of that. That's like, take it right from the customer, the way that they describe the product or the problem or the solution and put that right into the ad copy. And like, you know, nine times out of 10, that copy wins over something that we created internally. Right. And because it's coming right from the customer. So, and it's, it's funny because as a marketer, you're like, oh, that was so easy. <laughs> we didn't have to make this right. so hard on ourselves. And then right. there's another and, quote that, that comes to mind. And I, I, can't, I don't know who said it. I'm sure that it was someone famous, so I won't try to take credit for it. But it was that uh, copy isn't words, copy is research. And right. I'm finding out that more and more is like the more research that we do, the easier it is to write copy that converts and sells and works. Uh, and the more we can feed into the system, not only do we find stuff that sells, but we find the stuff that sells even better. And so Could, we can couldn't agree more. The, the conversion. So, yeah. Um, and I, I've got a couple of examples that, that might help your listeners, right? So, so one, one quick hack is you go to your G2 or your Captera reviews. Yeah. And if you've got, you know, a decent volume, you'll be surprised. You can export all of those. If you're paid, you can probably set up a Slack integration. So whenever someone adds one, you, you, you get it pushed to you. But to your point, like I've got a client recently and we've looked in G2 and they, they keep describing the software in this phrase 
Um, and, and the kind of team were like, yeah, we don't really want to call ourselves this because like that's not. And I'm like, look at G2. Everybody's calling you that. Yeah. There's your evidence. And you secondly, yeah, if you're respectful of time, right, and you can, you, I was respectful of your customer's time, they'll jump on a call and you can use things like otter.ai. I mean, again, it's yeah. a fantastic free tool that, you know, transcribes the call. So you can be actively listening, not with your head down taking notes. You can be actively listening. It transcribes it in the background. Export that into Google Docs, run it through Grammarly, which is free as well, app.grammarly.com, and, you know, top and tail it, you know, change some of the language, optimize it for SEO, and to your point, you've got really compelling content that is authentic and is very much the voice of the customer. So I think you're, you're really hitting a, an interesting theme here that has got lost, right, because we've been seduced with analytics and search console and AdWords and programmatic advertising that we've lost we've lost the kind of connection with the customer that really gives us the insights that help you know generate more and better quality leads yeah absolutely and I, like you know for digital marketing for me like i've been doing it since about 2003 2004 uh and at that time the last thing we thought about was like the copy it's like okay well how do we have everything set up is it all working is it all tracking it's like oh yeah we need to say something and it was like a last second thing and and it's changed so much so you know during my career um you know i've thought more about like the technical side of things and and i haven't really exercised that like creative the like art of this because it is an art and a science i focus more on the science and so now i'm coming back to that and it's just really like it was a little bit intimidating at first right where i was like okay now i got to be creative how do i do that <laughs> but to ask the customer and do the research and then I was just like, oh, this stuff just comes out of that. Like it's, it's <laughs> there. You just have to investigate and, and dig in and it will come to you. It's amazing. It's, it's so simple. Um, so it feels like a, an, an advantage, but I'm sure everyone's coming to re this realization. Um, and the other thing that we didn't respect enough, because I'm a performance marketer at heart. That's where I got my start. We just yeah. totally discarded brand. We're like, well, we don't care about that. That doesn't drive sales. We don't, yeah. we're focused on the sale and the transaction and getting the lead. And, and so, you know, I've really come to realize the value of a foundational brand. And so paid is where I feel like we get the traction and we do have some transactions, but you're acquiring customers, you're establishing the brand, but you still have to build the brand. Uh, so I'd love to get your thoughts on brand marketing, why it's important, how you do it, uh, you know, and, and how you kind of leverage that with, uh, with B2B SaaS companies. Yeah, and, and look, again, you're exploring a, a great topic, right? Because there's often a temptation for the CEO to push you on lead gen, right? And, and they want it's all about attribution. And if we put a 5 or 10K in here, can we attribute it to the sales and are the kind of CAC LTV ratios, you know, where they should be? Um, and of course, brand is something that is often synonymous with more B2C and bigger companies whereby, you know, they're, you know, at the extreme, you've got Super Bowl ads, right? But you've also got TV and broadsheet and so on. But but actually, you know, B2B SaaS, the way I look at it is that you, you do need to invest in your brand, right? And mm -hmm. um, and you got to be able to have a confident conversation with the CEO and saying, look, I'm not going to be able to attribute it, you know, like I can, I can measure things from a Google ad. But by the way, if I don't do this, my conversion rates aren't going to be as strong. Um, and and I, what, what I typically will do is, is again, you know, my clients are B2B SaaS, so they're, they're not whole household names, right? But th there's got to be a strong visual identity, particularly ones that are, you know, enterprise sales, right? Where there's a sense that actually it's got to look the part, right? And we all use heuristics in life. So we all make judgments pretty quickly. 
So again, it'll be no surprise to you based on what we've been talking about. You know, I've got a go-to agency that I work with that, you know, part of my playbook pretty early on in most new clients is I go for a visual identity refresh because I'll often see, you know, from 20 years in business, I know, you know what, this brand just, just isn't doing it for me. So part of the first phase is, you know, when did you guys last do the brand refresh? Okay, maybe four years ago, you know, and often it can be nickel or dimed or it can be sort of um, not given the attention that it deserves. So now my playbook is very much on that is, you know, let's make sure that we bring in a, and it goes back to the freelance world where you, if you don't want to spend the money with it, depends where you're at, right? If you're series B, you know, or above, you can probably write checks pretty easy for bringing in a, bringing in a nice agency, but there are often good, good freelancers out there that if, you know, if you've got more modest budgets, you can go and um, you can go and, and essentially get an enterprise grade brand, right? And the yeah. template is, is becoming fairly clear and obvious. And then you run it on a fast platform like a Webflow or something, um, you know, and that makes a difference. But, but then the other things that you can do, and this is kind of more in, in, in your sweet spot, I guess, is things like LinkedIn brand awareness, where you're kind of recognizing that, you know, often in B2B, LinkedIn is an important channel. It can be disappointing from a pure lead gen point of view. But going back to one of your earlier questions, if you've got real clarity on your personas, you know, it offers you a really good route to raise awareness whereby you can just push value add content that brings your brand in front of your buyer personas once you're pretty relaxed on the conversion piece. And, and the other thing then is you can bake in things like remarketing as well, mm-hmm. which might be getting a bit trickier with kind of privacy and cookies and so on, sure. but you can still sort of, you know, if you've got decent traffic to your site, you can probably serve, um, you, you know, ads for people, you know, on remarketing. Um, again, just to keep you front of mind. And then the final piece is sort of, you know, engaging in events or engage, engaging in publications that you know your personas are involved in. So you're kind of focusing on people that are not on your site. Again, with the proviso, hey, finance or CEO, don't be busting me up on on, on perfect attribution on this. Just go with the flow. You know, I'm not paying a Super Bowl ad here. I'm putting a modest amount of money into areas that I think will will, will lift the brand. But curious and your thoughts, actually, because I guess this is an area you're interested from the paid piece. Does that resonate or have you got a, yeah. got a different view, Mike? Well, absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned attribution and it's just uh, when you mention attribution, I just think, man, what a mess that is. It's so, yeah. so difficult yeah. uh, to, to get a true attribution. And you can play around with the different models, last click, first click, data driven. They're all yeah. going to have their their gaps and holes. And anytime you're going like cross-platform, because Google's not going to tell Facebook, Facebook's not going to tell right. Google. Now Apple doesn't want to tell anybody, right? Right. And, and so you you look at all your traffic coming in and and you know say that okay, the lead came from this SEO keyword. But is that true? Did they actually see you on Facebook and then they happen to you know search you on their phone and so right. it wasn't tracked and connected? It's just a it's a bit of a nightmare as a marketer to really get that true attribution. But, Absolutely. but circling back to brand as a performance marketer, the thing that kind of clicked for me, why brand is so important is that we spend so much time on CRO conversion rate optimization, right? Trying to like, you know, move different things on the landing page, adjust, adjust things in the, you know, the clicks and traffic that's coming from Google or Facebook and, and try to improve all those things. But the thing that's likely to have the biggest impact on, you know, click through rates, you know, conversion rates email open rates that like engagement on social is that brand. If people know, like, and trust the brand, they're going to open those emails. They're going to buy your product. And so for me, that was the thing that was like, Oh, 
you know, if you want to improve conversion rate, get a strong brand, build a strong brand and easier said than done. That's not something that you just do in a CRO analysis and say, improve your brand. It takes a lot of time and effort, but man, the impact is just is massive when, when you can do that. No, you're right. And if you, if you look at things like if you go to any Google search console, you know, you'll find the top keyword for no matter what, you know, B2B SaaS right. company with the brand will be the top one. If you want to do yeah. competitive, competitive bidding in Google ads, you, you know that the brand name is bringing most traffic to all your yeah. competitors. So in some categories, you might make a conscious effort to go after that traffic and say, actually, we believe we got a better feature set than this other company we're going to compete on their keyword with bespoke landing pages that shows you the difference. But you know, th- there are some of the things, but it, but it goes back to, and it ties in with this attribution piece as well, is just making peace with that, you know, um, what sounds straightforward in theory, you know, is just not, not straightforward. Right. And, and mm-hmm. kind of, we know that things, it's the old adage. If, 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 if five buses drive past my window advertising something on Netflix tonight, and I see the buses go past because they're advertising on the buses. And I type into into Google, you know, the the, the name of the the show that I've seen on the buses. And then I get you know results served to me. And I click on the first one that is Google Ad. Well, guess who's getting the getting the recognition for the um for the win? They're Google they're Ads. Better, are, they're going cancel know. the bus ads because those aren't doing anything. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, and actually, the other thing that 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 kind of plays into that, Mike, is I'm finding a lot more. Um, this plays into your Google Ads um, piece as well, right? I'm finding a lot more in in data now of, you know, this kind of key point that, you know, people don't convert in one session. So, like, yeah. in other words, you know, I could um, look for a solution now, performance management software. I could see an ad. I could click on the ad, right, which would be the Google ad doing a good job, winning my, my click, right? Um, and I go... Wow, this crowd lattice or clear review or appraise, they look really cool. I write it down and say, tomorrow I must have a proper look at these guys. I come back tomorrow and I look at my notepad next to my desk and I type into the browser appraised or lattice or whatever. Um, so I'm going direct. And then I convert, I fill in a form. Right, The Google ad has been lost if you're just yep. looking at the last click attribution when actually if you weren't running those ads, you wouldn't have won the eyeball. Yeah. I'm probably getting a bit technical here now, but it's it's kind of playing into the same area about the, the importance of brand, well, we, but also your ads to help you. Yeah, we, we we see a lot of that with you know you turn on those Facebook ads and suddenly the Google ads start crushing it, right? Right. And so then people compare them head head on the surface and go, well, Facebook's not really doing anything. Let's turn that off, right? It's the same right. analogy with the, with the buses, right? Or there might be, even be an ad group in in Google that has like middle of funnel keywords that are key to getting people to the bottom, but they never convert. So how do you like attribute those? And there are view through conversions and there are some ways to kind of track that stuff, but it's really hard to do that well, especially if you're on multiple platforms. And, you know, we haven't talked a lot about like some of these more unique ones and specifically in B2B SaaS, like, you know, advertising on G2 Crowd, Captera and being there. I mean, are they going to talk nice with Google? And like, how do you get the credit when maybe that was they searched a keyword because they wanted to see if there's a SaaS product for it. They heard of a name, then they went to Captera G2 to get a review, get an understanding of, hey, is this a good product? And then went back and you know did something organically or got hit with a retargeting ad on Facebook or LinkedIn or something. So it's just attribution is is so hard. I don't want to I don't want to give up on it because I have that performance marketer at heart, but I know that the the journey is so much more complex. There's so many things happening. 
And it's really hard for us as marketers, unfortunately, to fully understand and grasp that. I'm completely with you, right? So I, I put this in the bucket of stakeholder management because again, you know, it's easy for the CEO to think, hey, it's okay, let's just get perfect attribution. We can know where we can allocate our spend for Q1 and everything is going to be well yeah. in the world. And then I look around the team and there's two people in the marketing function and they're both junior and they both have a thousand things in their backlog. And then I look at the tech stack and they're like, hmm, these guys aren't really running a proper tech stack here because they don't have the budget to pay for the 10 solutions that you might want to join together. So, yeah. you know, I'm like you, right? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always optimistic. I'm always driving for growth, but sometimes there's a little bit of, you know, expectation management and kind of saying, well, okay, if you want this perfect attribution model, you know, it's going to take a lot, a lot of hours. It's going to take a lot of clever tech in the background. It's not going to be perfect. Um, but okay, if you want us to do that, then we can't do content or we can't yeah. do webinars and we can't do ebooks and we can't do white papers because, you know, yeah. so, so I think, but, but that all said, I, I think that there are, you know, between search console and analytics and you could name platforms from lead forensics to HubSpot, you know, there's a whole range of different solutions out there. You can kind of get much better attribution than you, you ever could, right? But Part of it again, though, is saying sometimes it's not worth the effort, right? It, it's like yeah. seriously, because sorry, the other final point on it, of course, is you know, sales cycles can be three, four, five months, right? So, so really, yeah. you need to get that data point from five months down the line. And, and of course, our worlds are often more immediate, we're day to day, week by week. So, yeah. and that's actually the key point. And we should have stated that earlier, right? So, attribution isn't really just about the lead converting in terms of form fill. It's about actually the sale coming through. And as I mentioned, that could be three or four months down the line. That's why it's yeah. so tricky. And at that point, I, you know, marketing's hands may not be on it, right? It could be, it could be sales, right? So, yeah. Yeah. When that's, you know, we have a client that's more like nine to 12 months or longer. Right? Yeah. So it's a right. long time that they're in that sales funnel. And there's a lot of, you know, nurturing and following up that goes with that. But, you know, the marketing piece is kind of done. Like we've got the lead. Now it is up to sales and can they close? And so that starts to get more and more uh, complex uh, as well. Um, right. And I'll give you one other funny point on it. Like I've got one where I'll often find when I look at the attribution subsequently, a lot of it is SDR outbound. <laughs> so, yes. so in other words, right. those that have commission based on the attribution seem to be, huh, we did an outbound and that's how that leak came. Mm, no, I don't think so. I think yeah. we, you, you know, so it's, it's, it's funny where you, you where of course, um, it looks like SDRs are doing a phenomenal job, but actually it goes back to attribution is not one single thing. It can be all these different mixes. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, yeah. if you're incentivized to bring in leads to the company, pretty easy to get your, your body in the sales to attribute for, um, you, you yeah. know, use the SDR to pay for a few beers uh, on the weekend, right? Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, you're so, going so to find a way going to... On. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that's something that's a challenge as well is that, that you know, sort of sales versus marketing or sales and <laughs> right. marketing versus like, you know, how do you actually get them to be like one unit where they're right. working together? And and they seem to be very typically, in my experience, they're very different people, like the marketing people versus the salespeople. They have different motivations, obviously, and they're different um, types of people. Um, Alan, I want to ask you kind of a, a, a bigger question, uh, maybe a little bit more challenging, but what, what do you see as the the future of, of B2B SaaS marketing? Like, you know, what's coming down the pipe or what are the things that are trending or that are exciting around the corner or even challenging i'm sure there's many <laughs> challenging things as we've talked about 
Yeah, I mean, just unpacking a couple of challenging you know, things. So first of all, I, I think, look, we're still at the very early stages, right? So, so I think that's the exciting piece, right? So for me, it's like, actually, the, you know, the, 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 you know, we are literally on the first floor, right? It, it's still a very new world. And what you're beginning to see, right, Mike, which I think is, again, opportunity and, and, and challenge is that, you know, categories are getting pretty crowded, right? But you can now increasingly position and carve out very viable niches, right, that or niches, as you might call it. So you can still build a very, you know, very interesting business. It doesn't have to be this VC-backed winner-takes-all crazy, you know, it's only the winner-takes-everything. You know, and, and, you know, you've got, you know, you have op- opportunities to kind of carve out viable niches. Um, I, I think the other thing that's sort of, you know, worth thinking about is, I think you're going to get more vertical-type applications emerge. So the mm-hmm. kind of first tranche were very much horizontal because you were trying to pick out let's say accounting software. So you weren't just for one vertical or one industry, you were taking some manufacturing, FMCG, finance, you kind of, you you know, you needed to, because you needed to get, you know, your product needed to span these markets to get the early adopters from them. Whereas now it's becoming more commonplace and more mature. So I think you're going to start finding, you know, perhaps let's say I'll pick a, pick a common one, like a CRM. So you might say, actually, we're going to just do a CRM for financial service companies, mm, right? right. So, so I think you're, you're, you're going to start seeing verticals emerge. Um, and I, I think the, 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 the flip side where it's going to get tricky is, you know, the playbooks are getting exhausted a little bit, mm. you know, and by that, I mean, um, you know, the content thing is increasingly hard now, right? I mean, we're all getting bombarded by so much stuff that really, you know, I look at my my time reading, it's been reduced. Um, I'm not commuting into the city in London anymore. I'm not listening to podcasts as much yeah. as I used. Um, so so then all of a sudden word of mouth recommendations start coming to the fore because you are looking for, you know, heuristics and quick decisions, right? You don't want to be evaluating 20 different, you, you, you know, options. So you might go with the category leader or if there's a reason that you can't go with the category leader, then you're looking at a, a one that fits your your bill in terms of, um, you know, like there's weird stuff, right? That could be where does the data reside? Who owns the data? Is there must customer service or not? So some of those things are beginning to play out as yeah. as, as kind of key decision points. So, gosh, Mike, I've kind of gone around the houses a little bit without giving you a very direct answer. But I think you know, again, it's an exciting space to be in. But you, you know, we got to keep learning, and, and the challenge will continue. But I would be very optimistic that there is. You know, you know, very viable opportunities out there. Um, the only last piece, probably, that's a, a red flag is is the, just the the, the 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 supply side hasn't kept up in terms of skills. Mm. So I don't know what it's like in in Canada or the US, but we're finding a really tough labor market here now. If you're trying to find developers or engineers, yeah, would be to be SaaS experience. I mean, it is you know, it's not even a question of price. It's can you even find them? Um, yeah, and same with same with sales and marketing people. You know, and I, I do think you can't transition from a B2C world that has, you know, from B2C, like I've been working in marketing in a hotel, that jump is just too big a stretch yeah. going into, into it. So, so I think that that's a challenge. So um, so there's some of the thoughts. But again, any, any key trends that you're seeing that, that are worth kind of chatting on for two minutes? Yeah, no, we 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 see that as well. It is a, is it a, it is a tough uh, labor market, uh, and you know can be tough to find those marketing people. And when when I think about developers, you know, in Victoria, you know, it, it's a smaller town, right? We have to compete with San Francisco, New York, right. around the world. So salaries right. are going up, and these 
they're they're in high demand these developers and so that has definitely made it a little bit more challenging to kind of get startups up and going and, and off the ground because often it's an entrepreneur or business idea person business minded person right. that's like hey i have this idea you know i'm sure they can come from the developer but i think more often they probably come from a business person that wants to solve a problem that doesn't know how to you know how to write code code so i think you, that is a, certainly a, a a real problem uh and you know we, we talked a lot about you know attribution and privacy and those things i there's a lot of unknowns but you did say right. and i subscribe to this too is like it's constant learning right if you if right. you want to stop learning in marketing forget it, it your career is over you know and so right. i tell you know some of my newer uh, employees that we work with and certainly the students in our digital marketing boot camp it's like it's okay that you don't know anything from the last 5, 10, 15 years. Right. Right. If you're learning this right now, you're getting something that's timely and then you can go forward. But you have to be Absolutely. prepared to constantly be learning. So you can become an expert, you know, in a matter of a couple of years uh, versus, you know, just because I've been doing this for 18 years or whatever, doesn't mean I have that much more of an advantage from on the marketing forefront. You could become a specialist in TikTok marketing or Pinterest or Facebook, you know, in a matter of a few, uh, a few months and, and years even. So um, I think that that's an exciting thing, but it also is challenging. Uh, but I just try to keep an open mind and, and just like, I don't know what's coming down the pipe, but if I can see those challenges as opportunities and always be on the forefront of like that sort of don't know mindset, but I'll, I'm confident I can figure it out. So that's the way that I kind of look at that, uh, that piece. I think we don't brilliant. know what the future holds. <laughs> No, but I think you hit the nail on the head, right? You, you've got to have a voracious appetite for learning. And, and the thing that spooks me a lot is that sometimes I work with sort of some more junior marketing people and they don't ask enough questions. I find right. it's the gray haired people around the room are asking the questions and maybe we're intimidating on Zoom. You know, it quite possibly is that, right? But, you know, you, you have to ask questions. But your point, you've got a huge advantage. I mean, I practiced marketing. I did an undergrad in marketing um, back in back in the 90s and and like, a lot of that was, I mean, back then B2B was almost industrial marketing and sort of right. SaaS didn't exist, right? So, so your point is, and then the brilliant resources out there, right? You know, you can be, you, you can be like, there's a guy, Avanish, um, Occam's Razor, phenomenal blog on, on kind of data yeah. analytics. you got Neil Patel, you know, Eric Chu bringing out great content. You know, you can kind of um, find it without having to get credentials, right? You can, you can, you can go and go on. And actually, to that point, when I hire... I don't really look at the academic credentials. I'm looking at, <laughs> you know, but, but here's the other thing, right? I want to see your digital footprint. I don't want you to, you know, I want to see, have you got a basic Squarespace or Wix site? Have you written a couple of blogs? Yeah. If you haven't, you, you know, go right, go build a Squarespace, go build a Wix, right? I mean, I need, you, yeah. you can do it, right? You can be part, that will get you over the line, not, not your credentials from your university or college, right? So, so these, are, these are pluses and minuses, right? But the great thing is if you're, you're young, and you want to go on a journey, you know, there is a complete supply demand skew in the market, right? And you can kind of spot the areas like developers and marketing. And, and yep. to your point, two years of committing um, to learning uh, online courses are, are, you know, practitioner and, and trying stuff, you, you'll get a pretty good job coming out the back of that. So, um, so there, I think it's great if, if you're willing to go on that journey, right? Yeah. Yeah. We look for a lot more in, at like, uh, people's characteristics. That's why I don't like, I like to look like their LinkedIn and see, okay, they kind of did some <laughs> stuff, but what have they tried to do? Like, I like that idea of, you know, have they made a blog or a Squarespace or thrown up a Shopify site or something like that? Right. And, and, you know, have they done anything, you know, in, in, in blogging or emailing, whatever it may be, 
that they've tried or they dabbled because those people are usually the most keen. But I think that you can really accelerate your career if you give them the right opportunity. So we're really looking at like characteristics of people. Will they jump in and try something? You know, if I give them very few instructions with very few details, can they figure it out or will they ask for questions? I'm looking for that type of person that's like, I'm going to jump in and when I get stuck, I'll ask Mike. But I don't want them to like, can you handhold me through this? Because we just don't have time for that. So, but we're finding that's we have to develop and build the marketers more so than find the experienced person because they're hard to find and they're very expensive. So, right. I think what you're doing is great. I mean, that's exactly it. And it actually makes it quite hard to interview sometimes because, yeah. you know, things I'm looking <laughs> for, the, qual the qualities I'm looking for are bias for action. I'm looking for something that gets stuff done yeah. that can work, you know, fairly autonomously that's going to ask me questions. So, actually, you know, I'm finding a lot more in my interviews when I'm hiring marketing are, you know, setting them challenges or setting them tasks. Yeah. Like go do a loom video, go, go into this room, do a 15 minute tear down of our site. Yeah. See how it goes. So, so yeah, I'm aligned with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Alan, it's been amazing to talk with you. It's been super fun. Uh, we should right. probably do this again sometime. Uh, but I uh, wanted to let, give you an opportunity to let the uh, listeners uh, know where where to find more about you, where to connect with you, maybe on LinkedIn or uh, learn about your company. Great. Thanks so much, Mike. Look, it's been a blast talking to you. Yeah, Alan Gleason, so you'll find me on LinkedIn. Um, workwithagility.com is my um, company name. I use blog quite a lot. Um, I, it will be my vow for next year that I go back writing again. So um, if you Google Alan Gleason B2B SaaS, you, um, I think my organic listing should be pretty high. Awesome. Uh, great chatting with you and uh, we'll talk soon. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thanks so much, Mike. All right. Bye everyone.